good morning. Uh, yeah, they're awesome. Like, oh, love you guys. You're awesome. Uh, and I, I love this. It's like winter wonderland up here. I love it. We have like the best staging people. Absolutely. I, they're incredible. Uh, hey guys, uh, my name is Matthew Waters. I work uh, with middle school ministry here at Christway. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I actually had the opportunity to come and, and speak here on stage with, uh, with our lead pastor, John. And it was an incredible opportunity for me to just, you know, like share the stage. And, and we talked about the idea of bridging the generational gap, like bringing the generations together for the sake of Lord's name, like bringing the generations together to, for the Great Commission. And, and that was an incredible opportunity for me. But the part that was really fun was actually all of our meetings leading up to this message that, you know, we would meet together and talk through things. And, and it was funny because we were talking about generations. And so a lot of our conversation was on the, the stereotypes of generations. And so that led to some pretty funny discussions about, man, why does this generation do that? Or why does the other generation do this? Or like it, it, we just and then you know start making fun of people because that's fun to do and it was it was just a, it was a good time like like I love getting to walk through that with him and, and I remember one time he, he asked me a question I all right Matthew what's the deal with millennials and Facebook like for the most part like millennials like created Facebook like we were the the front runners of it he's like but then it seems like a lot of them just kind of like left. And I was like, well, I can't speak for my entire generation. I can only speak for myself. You know, some people left because their parents joined Facebook and they didn't, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they didn't want to, their parents like eyeing on everything that they were doing. It's so like, okay, well, I'll go to Instagram or Twitter or something else. And then there's some people who are like, you know what? I just, I just can't deal with the, the political rants and the recipe sharing. Like, I don't know why those two go together, but they've run off a lot of people, like political rants and recipes that people share all the time. But for me, that, that's not really the reason that I'm not really as connected to Facebook. I have one, and if you send me a message or send me a friend request, I will get back to it. It just might be like three weeks or so, because I try to stay away as much as possible. And the reason that I personally have to stay away is because of this thing, I don't know if y'all know about this, it's called clickbait articles. And if you don't know what that is, because you have a life, let me let me tell you what that is. So a clickbait article is an article that you click on. That's amazing how that works. But it doesn't, it doesn't tell you exactly what the article's about. It's very vague, and it tries to create some mystery for you to like, make you want to click on it and learn more. And a lot of times they're super sappy and like, you know, lovey-dovey, and it's like, man, what happened next will move you to tears. And like, you've got to figure out what happens next. Or it's like, and then the person who was standing behind them will blow you away. Like, man, who is it? And, and so the, one that, the things that get me the most, though, are the ones that are like about like my favorite TV shows, when it's like, man, the top 30 funniest moments in Parks and Recreation. And then, and then they'll add a little tagline on it and be like, number seven had us rolling on the floor laughing. I now have to figure out what number seven is. Like, it does not matter if I watch the show or not. I saw one thing. It was like, this character returning to Gilmore Girls. I don't watch Gilmore Girls, but I had to figure out who was coming back. Like, so I had to leave Facebook because these clickbait articles worked way too well on me. Like, I, I just, like, lose hours of my day. I was like, okay, I, I just got to gotta stay away from this, right? And, um, but but there, were, there were some, you know, that were good and whatnot. I remember one in particular, that went viral. And it was this one, it was this guy, he wrote, 
I've been married for two years, but now marriage is not for me. And so because I always had to know what they were saying and whatnot, I had to, I, I would like start to guess. Like I'd be like, I want to try to guess what this article is about before I read it. And then when I'm right, I'm giving myself a pat on the back. Like it's just a game to me. And I was right about this one. I was like, well, I don't think this guy is really talking about like he just wants to be done with marriage or anything. I was like, he's probably going like the direction of like it's more about my wife. Like it's not just about me. That's about like the we and that I want to support my wife. And I was right. So it was pretty easy. So I... I had to give myself a pat on the back. It was great. Um, but, but I did read it, and I was like, man, that's actually, that's pretty cool, you know, and that, that people would treat love that way. I know that my dad, some advice that he has given me, he said, listen, if you go into a relationship expecting it to be 50-50, it's not going to work. Because at one point or another, you or your partner is not going to be able to give 50, and then it's not going to work. If you go in giving, like expecting to give 75 and only receive 25, it's like now you got a relationship. Now you got something that's going to work. And, and, and so that's the truth is that, man, that's so cool that romantic relationships can be taken that way. It's like it's not about us. It's like it's about making my wife happy. It's about um, serving my wife, about loving my wife. And I was like, that's pretty cool that, that we would treat a love like that. But then I started thinking like, why don't we treat the greatest love like that? I started thinking about, about things that I've heard people say over the years about churches that they've gone to and whatnot, like complaints that they've had. And, and some of them, just like when you start to really think about it, kind of seem a little silly. And I remember it was one time this person was like, uh, oh, you know what? That worship, that's just not for me. Like their, their worship, it's just not for me. I was like, congratulations, you figured out what worship's not about. I'm very proud of you. Like, that'd be like on Christmas morning if my brother gave my mom a gift, and then I was just like, you know what, that gift's just not for me. Like, you know, like, of course it's not for me. It's not about me at all. Now, maybe I wouldn't have given the same gift. Maybe I'd give a gift differently, but, but the gift's not about me. And what, what we have to start to realize is that church isn't for me. Church isn't for you but the gathering is about the glory of God. And that we have to realize that. And we look at that, when we look at a lot of different things, we have to take that same mindset, that the church is not for me, but for the glory of God. That, that prayer is not just about me. It's not just about me giving, you know, Mr. Claus a, a wish list that I want. Prayer is about my relationship with God, my communication with God. And, and reading scripture isn't even for me. And we find that, 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 like, Scripture, just reading Scripture and diving into the Word is not solely for us. That it's about, you know, our deeper relationship with the Father. And, and the, so we're going to look this morning at uh, a chapter in, in Hebrews. And this, this letter is being written to the Hebrews because they have neglected to, to really dive into Scripture. Like, they're just, they're just like, you know, we really don't really want to work on, on studying about Jesus. We don't want to work on, on, on learning more about the gospel or anything of that nature. And so, so this letter was written to them. And it says, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make clear to you because you are no longer trying to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food saying you need milk, not solid food, because you're a child. Like, 
Like your faith is that of a child. Like you have not pushed yourself. You have not matured in your relationship with Christ. You've not pushed further than, hey, maybe I go to church once a month and whatever they say, okay, well, that's good. That's what I take. Like you're not diving into what it is that God has for us. And the truth is that we are called to, to, to dive into the word and work on our, our study of Jesus and who he is and get to understand who God is better. And that's why we do what we do here at Christway. Like we have the gathering every Sunday morning and, and we have life groups that meet every single week. And those are opportunities for people to come together with other people within the church and just read scripture together and challenge one another and encourage one another and walk through the hard times of life with each other. That, that's an amazing time. And then we have, you know, special Bible studies sometimes. And I hope, I hope, my, my hope for all of you is that you carve out time each day just to, to spend time reading the word for yourself and, and spend time praying and praising God for it. That's my hope. And, and for myself, I actually have a couple of, of guy friends that are in my adult life group and we decided, man, let's just, let's read through some scripture together. And so we're, we're reading through Ephesians right now. And we're just, you know, we, we'll read a little bit. We'll read like a chapter a day. And then we'll text each other like, hey, this is, this is what I've been reading. And this is what challenged me. I hope that it can challenge you in the same way. And we're getting each other's different perspectives and encouraging each other and diving deeper with one another. And it's an incredible experience for me. And I, I hope that you can find, you know, that as well that you can take hold of opportunities that are there to dive deeper. But we have to understand why we dive deeper. We have to understand that the reason that we're diving deeper into God's word is not, not for ourselves, because the church isn't for us. But the gathering is for the glory of God. So, so we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at two reasons for like why we study scripture. And our first reason is this, is to grow closer to God. That's first and foremost, that we can grow closer to God. And I, lo- I love that because I mean, that's, that's, it's, that's not about us. That's about our relationship with God. And, and so we're, we're called to, you know, study, and, but for the purpose of growing closer to God. I've got a good friend, and he's, he's a super cool dude. And, um, you know, he, he loves studying Scripture. He's kinda, kind of a nerd, like not just like Scripture, like he'll, he'll study everything, and he can tell you so many weird details that I could never keep in my head. Um, but, but he's such a cool dude to, like, have Bible study with and whatnot. And there have been times, you know, we, we, we've had, like, a Bible study, and honestly, I get intimidated a little bit by him because he just, he just knows so much. And, and then we got on the topic one day. I was like, so, so why do you study Scripture? Like, let's, let's have that conversation. Why do we study Scripture? And, and he dropped this bomb of knowledge on me. And he says, the reason that we study scripture is for our theology to lead to our doxology. And I was like, oh, well, that's awesome because I, I doxologize all the time. <laughs> I, I, I just didn't know that you doxologize. Yeah. Like, I, I had no idea. I was like, okay. Like, I understand what theology is, but I had no idea what this doxology word was. He's like, well, I'm not trying to be, like, super religious and preachy sound. He's like, it's just a, a fun rhyme for me. And he says, what it means is that my study of God leads to our praise of God. So doxology is our praise of God. So our study of God leads to our praise of God. He's saying, here, 
man, the reason I read scripture is not about me. The reason I read scripture has nothing to do with me. The reason I study scripture is so I can gain a better understanding of who God is, and then I can praise him for it. That is why I study scripture. And that just blew me away, and that's like changed the way that, that I read scripture. I don't read things to say, wow, this is, this is so cool. I can, I can win this argument with someone now. Or, wow, this is so cool. I'm going to blow people's minds by using big words like doxology. Like, I'm so cool now, right? And that's not my goal. It's not my goal to, to stand up here and say things so that you can go home and be like, man, this dude with half a haircut, like, said some really good things this morning. Like, I'm just blown away. Like, that's not my reason. The reason I'm here is I want to share with you my heart. And I want to share with you uh, my study of God, like what I, what's been going on for me. And, and for that to push towards my worship of God and your worship of God as well. That's, that's why we study, right? And so the next reason, the next reason that we, uh, we read is to pour into others. Once again, reading scripture is not about us. It's about God. It's about pouring into others. And, and this, is, this is so important because we actually, if we keep reading, uh, we read back the same scripture we read earlier, it makes this very clear. It says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, right there, it doesn't say for now by this time you ought to know scripture better than other people, for by now you ought to be able to blow people's minds, for now you ought to be able to read in a Greek Bible or anything of that nature. It says, for by now you ought to be teachers. I'm saying it's not about you. Like, awesome, you're gaining this knowledge. I'm so excited for you. But now we got to take that and we got to do something with that. We got to take that further. We can't just let that, like, we can't just, like, hold on to it and be like, okay, I've got all this knowledge and now I'm just going to sit here with all my knowledge. It's like, no, you do something with that knowledge. You take that further. You pour into others. You should be teachers. The truth is we should all be teachers. I had, a, I had, a, I had another friend, different friend, that uh, I grew up with in, in the student ministry. I uh, was probably a freshman in high school, I think. And, um, you know, he was a cool dude, super involved, knew a lot about God, read scripture all the time. But then he was talking to me. He's like, hey, I don't, I don't think I'm going to go to student stuff anymore. I was like, okay, well, why are you, why are you not going to go to student stuff anymore? He's like, well... The past three times that I've gone to our student stuff, I just haven't learned anything. And I don't know if I've just kind of, like, learned everything. It's like, okay, all right, we got a little Jesus Jr. over here knows everything. That's cool. <laughs> just, I'm just impressed that I'm even able to sit in your presence. That's great. Um, but, but I was like, okay, so if, if you're not getting anything out of, you know, coming to church, then, then what are you going to do? He's like, well, I'll probably just go home and do homework in that time. I was like, well, that's kind of lame. Um, but then I asked him, I challenged him. I was like, all right, well, do you think that every, every, all the other students, you think they know everything? You think that they have a full understanding of everything that's being taught? He's like, well, you know, probably not. I was like, then don't you think you could help them? If you, have, if you have this amount of knowledge that you claim to have, why don't you help someone who doesn't? And I kind of challenged him. At first, he didn't like that conversation. He didn't enjoy my, uh, my thoughts. 
But he started coming back, and he started pouring into others. He started pouring into middle school. He started pouring into people like my age, and, and it was good because he had, to, he had to change his mind. He had to realize, he had to take a moment and realize, you know, church isn't for me. The gathering is for the glory of God. And when I get over myself about what I know or what I want to know, then great things are going to happen. And that's the thing. That, that is our heart here at Christway, is that everyone step into being a teacher. Because the book of Hebrews is not written to only pastors and missionaries. The book of Hebrews is not just written to those people who are already teaching. It's written to all people, saying that we're all called to be teachers of the word. And, and that's our heart here at Christway. And actually, for, for, I'm going to take a moment. I, I want to watch a quick video that's going to explain that heart better than I probably could. Ever wonder why Christway does what we do? Well, let's take a look. Jesus said that I am the bread of life. And at Christway, we see ourselves as the table that serves that bread. All things point to Jesus. But it doesn't do you any good to serve bread at the table if there's no one at the table. So who should be at our table? Well, we believe that the same sort of people who were at Christ's table should be at our table. Let's look at Matthew 9, verses 9 to 13. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in his house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In this scripture, there are four specific kinds of people sitting at the table. Who are they? Well, in chair number one, we have the tax collectors and the sinners those who are coming to check out Jesus. We have lots of people coming to Christway who are just checking out Jesus, and we're so glad they're here. Chair number one is the reason that we are changing the way you think about church. Chair number two is the new believer. In the scripture, this is Matthew. Jesus said, follow me, and he did. He had just placed his faith in Christ. The idea is that those in chair number one move to chair number two. That movement is the reason that baptism is such a party at Christway. And those in chair number two are on fire and are all about bringing people to sit in chair number one. Chair number three is where we find the disciples. These are mature believers. Jesus has been pouring into them and they have been growing. This is what life group is all about. Taking people from chair number two to chair number three and helping them grow. Chair number three is also bringing folks to sit in chair number one and helping them move to chair two. Now, chair number four is the teacher. The teacher is using what God has given them to serve others. Leading life groups, leading students, teaching in the children's ministry. Just like Jesus when he said, I am not here to call the righteous. I'm here for the sinners. Chair number four loves to bring people to chair number one and to see them become new believers and then watch them grow in their faith. So there they are, those checking out Jesus, 
those that become the new believers who then become disciples. And then as the Holy Spirit equips them, the teachers who were reaching out to bring other people around the table. For us to be a healthy church, we need to serve up the bread of life, always focused on Jesus at a table that looks just like his. Man, and that's the heart of Christ's way, that we would move from one to two to three to four. And, and I don't know, if, if you're here this morning and you're in chair number one, you're, you're just here checking out Jesus like this is your first time here at church or whatever, we're so glad you're here. We are excited to have you here with us. We, we love having you. And, and here's the thing, we want to help you out in any way that we can. If you have any questions, any concerns, anything of that nature, find someone with like a volunteer shirt on or go to Connection Central or find me, find, find whatever. But we, we want to just let you know that we are excited you're here and we love you and we just want to help you out in any way that we can. Maybe, maybe you're in chair number two. You're like, man, I just actually gave my life to Christ. Like, I'm a new believer. Which, if you didn't know, uh, last week we had 15 people come to put their faith in Christ. Like, that's awesome, right? Yeah. I love that. I love that we get to get excited about that. That is, that is incredible. So maybe you're someone who's saying, man, I, I just stepped into my relationship with Jesus for the first time seven days ago or seven weeks ago, whatever. You're saying, I'm a new believer. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out the whole game. Like, that's awesome. We're so glad that you're here. And we want to, we want to assist you in any ways. We want to help get you in a life group, uh, get you into places where people can pour into you and walk alongside you in this journey that you have begun. We're so excited for you. Now, if you're, if you're in chair three, and you know, this, this is the type, the disciple, the mature believer, someone who's been learning and, and taking in knowledge and stuff, we're excited for you, and we love that you're here. But we want you to know that, that three is not the end. That, that four is not an option. Three is not where you just stay, and, and if you are Jesus Jr., then you go on to be the teacher. Like, that, it's not the option. That, that's where we're all called to go. We're all called to be a teacher. And so, so he, here's what I want. Here's what I want us to realize is that that, I know that that can be scary. I know that when I went from, you know, I graduated from college and I've been in school my entire life. My entire life revolved around learning, learn more. every, And so you, you learn more for second grade so that you can be prepared for third grade. And you learn more for sixth grade so that you'll be prepared for eighth grade. And in eighth grade, you learn more so you'll be prepared for high school. And you're just, you're just learning. Like you're in this constant cycle of learning. And it's good. But the second that I like graduated college, it's like, okay, I don't, I don't just learn anymore. Like, I still need to learn, but I also need to do. And I also need to teach as, like, new people are coming on. Like, I need to help guide them as well. And so, so it was a little bit scary, but here's what I want you to understand. If, if you're in chair number three and, and you're, you're just like, I'm just learning and, and trying to figure a lot of stuff out, we're, we're glad. But there's no test or anything that makes you ready to be in chair number four. It's not like you have to read the Bible in a year and then you can go to chair number four. It's not you have to be able to recite Leviticus verbatim from memory. Like, we don't ask you to do that. Um, see, the thing is, is that movement, moving from chair three to chair four, is not a test but a step. It's not a test but a step. It's just stepping into it, and it's scary. Sometimes it's scary, but you're like, I, I don't know. Like, and, and you start to wonder in your mind, you're like, do I know enough? 
do I know enough in order to be a teacher? And the answer is, is, is no, you don't know enough, but it's okay. Take this step anyway, because what I've learned is there's only so much that you can learn from sitting and studying. There's only so much that you can learn from, from listening to someone else talk to you about it. But I learn when, when I get my hands dirty. I learn when I start actually putting things into action. And I think that the writer of Hebrews caught on to that. And so in Hebrews, picking back up where we left off, it says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, he's still a little bitter and calling them you know, babies. It's a fun shot at them. It says, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And I, I love this. It says, who by constant use. It doesn't say who by constant reading, who by constant studying, who by constant listening. He says, who by constant use. It's saying, you're going to learn when you take what you read and then you apply it to your life. That what you read is not just words on a page, but, but ways to live our life by, things to put into action in our own lives. And he's saying, you're going to learn so much more as you keep doing that. And that is the truth. That's, and that's, that's a truth for everything. I mean, when, when I got out of college and I was working in a corporate job, you know, I had no idea and I was having to keep learning and people were telling me and I started doing and it started making more sense. And then we bring on new people and then I could teach them like, okay, I still have no clue what I'm doing most of the time, but I can help you with this. I can teach you with this part. I can, I can do that. And, and so that's the thing is, is take the step because when you take the step and you, you just step out in, in faith and you just like, all right, mate, I don't know everything, but but I want to share with what I know. You're going to learn a whole lot more. And you're going to learn more in the process of doing. And, and, and so if you, want, if you want to go deep, if you want to go really deep in theology, then start by serving. If you want to, if you want to learn how to love God more, then feed his sheep. If you want to learn how to truly rely on God, then work with seventh grade boys. Like... <laughs> It'll get you there real quick. I got an amen on that one. I'm proud of that. Uh, <laughs> like you, you will learn so much by taking that step, by, by realizing that, man, these are not just words that I'm reading. That my theology, man, that my study of God Almighty can't just stay as theology. That my theology has to lead to my doxology. My study of God has to lead to my praise of God. My study of God has to lead to my worship of God. My study of God has to lead to me teaching others about God. That's, that's the goal. That's what we're all called to. We're all called to be teachers. And I love, I love that here at Christway, we do this. We, we get to actually put all this into action. It's why we do everything that we do. And I'm, I'm part of a, a life group, and we meet on Tuesday nights that, you know, we get to, you know, have food and, and study and encourage each other, and it's great. But we also realize that, that we can't just study, and we can't just fill ourselves, that we have to actually put into practice what we read about. And so, like, a couple weeks ago, we actually went to the Samaritan Center, and we got to meet up with a couple other life groups, not just our own, and just be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
and put into practice the scripture that we had been reading and help them with the food drive to help feed people in our community. And that, that was an awesome experience. And, then, and also, I'm, I'm also a life group leader myself, um, but for, you know, middle school boys. So one, one tactic that I've learned that works really well is, is to allow them opportunities to be the teacher. That I don't do this every single week, but every once in a while, I want one of my students to lead the lesson. And it's, I'll be honest, it's not going to go nearly as well as if I did it or if my co-leader did it. It's going to be a, a little scrambled. It's going to seem a little weird at times. But what I know is that I can teach this kid all day. But when I allow him to take a step, just take a little step and, and start actually teaching, he's going to learn more than if I just did it myself. And that's my goal, is that he would, he would have that opportunity to learn for himself and, and to step further and grow in his relationship with God. That's, that's the goal. And so here's, here's the thing that I, I want us to grab hold of. I want each and every person in this room, I want to challenge you to go deeper. I want to challenge you to work on your relationship. I want to challenge you to come be a part of the gathering here every Sunday. I want to challenge you to, to be involved in a life group. I want to challenge you to spend time each and every day reading scripture, building up your theology. But then I don't want it to stay there. I want it to lead towards your doxology. I want, I want your, your time in the word to lead towards you praising God. I want your time in the word to lead towards you bringing others along and sharing with them. Because we have to realize that church is not for us. Prayer is not for us. Reading scripture is not for us. But the gathering is for the glory of the Most High. The gathering is for the glory of God himself. So I think that the only, the only response that we can even have this morning is to just go to God in praise.